You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from our friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Janice Legata, and this is God Has Not Given, an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith and conversations with friends about fears we were given and ways that we are finding power, love, and sound mind. Well, I told you in the last episode that these next couple of episodes would probably be Hillsong heavy and that I'm trying to let this podcast be whatever it is, moment to moment. So this episode, as promised, is Hillsong heavy, and it's pretty freeform. It is a conversation with none of the usual conventions, so yeah, get ready for that. But before we dive in, I just want to address a little of the mess that has been going on in the ex-evangelical Instagram space. Hashtag November, hashtag Joshua Tree, hashtag the photo. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Consider yourself blessed and don't even worry about it. Preserve your peace. But either way, I just want to remind everyone that all of your faves are problematic, including me, if I am one. None of us have arrived. None of us is right about everything. And we are all going to make mistakes. Mistakes are not the issue. However much our mistakes say about us, I think our responses and recovery times say much more. And I think it's like exercise. Some people are just naturally more flexible than others, and some have to work harder to put themselves in new positions. And so depending on what muscle group you're targeting, you might have to switch things up, and that's okay. No one is entitled to your time and attention, and no one is entitled to leadership in this space. That's evangelical shit, and we're not doing that here. So for more concrete thoughts on platform culture and whiteness in the deconstruction space and cancel culture and the November tree debacle, check out the latest episode of Thereafter, also out today, I believe. I had a really great time talking trauma and drama with Cortland and Megan. So Thereafter, get into it. But first, let's get into this. The illustrious Mama Mary Jones. I call her Lady. Yeah, so lady, I love that. Lady, what you doing? <laughs> lady, where are you at? Yeah, I was trying to think. I was like, I don't, I can't remember when we first met. I think I knew of you before I knew you because, again, you are the illustrious Mary Jones. And so I knew you for having seating, reserved seats. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, actually, I was old. I should have reserved seats. Everybody else got to sit down. They, they needed to have an old black lady. Well, I wasn't that old when I started. But they should have an old black lady sit down. Not When I first started coming to Hillsong, I stood up in the back. Mm-hmm. Because, um, because I was older, there were those long steps at Irving Plaza to get up. I would get there an hour early and get in line and before I knew it, there were like 50 people in front of me, but I was like second in line. Mm-hmm. And then of course I can't run up those stairs. And by the time I get inside, all the seats are taken. And I end up having to stand up. And I did, I stood in the back for several services. And it was running into Carl. I went up the back, went to the back stairs. I was gonna go downstairs. And Carl and Laura were apparently coming down from the green room. Mm-hmm. And I said, hi, 
Carl, uh, Pastor Carl, I'm, I know who you are. You're Mary Jones. And I was like, how do you know who I am? And he asked me, um, when did I come, what time do I come to church and all of that. And I told him that I usually have to stand. And he said, no, that's not happening. From now on, you will have a seat. I want you on the front row. So he told Cain to have me on the front row, but Cain didn't like me being on the front row, I don't think. So he put me on the second row. <laughs> Which I think about those things, those those times and just wonder. But that's how I came to to get the reserve seats. And there were two times that I got punched in the face, kinda. And it was they let it be known to me that I didn't get reserved seating anymore. And that was at Sony PlayStation, Sony PlayStation, when I think Laura had taken over or they had assigned all of that seating and stuff to Laura and something else was going on. So I wasn't part of the group that would have seats. So which meant I had to come in and find a seat, which I did because I faithfully came to church all the time. And then there was another time when Carl had texted me and said, we've missed you, haven't seen you, or something like that. No, he saw me standing up in the back with the volunteers that I worked with, the New Believers team. Mm -hmm. And he said, either he, I can't remember if he sent Kane or he sent me a text message to come. I said, I see you back there. Come see me in the green room. I didn't know what a green room was. So somebody took me to the green room, had a long, not too pleasant talk with him. Yeah, he wasn't happy with me. Then he told me anytime I want to come, he said, I'm not gonna make you come, but anytime you wanna come, all you do is just text me and I will make sure you have a seat. And I remember that next Sunday when I wanted to come, I texted him and he said, yeah, just text Kane. It's like, okay. And of course, Cain didn't answer. Mm-hmm. I don't think he answered, or maybe he did, but I didn't get a, a close seat. But I think those were, that I sort of took those as times that were meant to slap me down because I think I was being liked by too many people. And trust me, I wasn't going after all these likes because it's a job. <laughs> when you have, I mean, you got emails, got text messages, got phone calls. Do you have a minute? Can you talk? Trying to go out, trying to come in. And I never told anybody I didn't have time. Never. I always took the time. So it wasn't that I came there looking for likes. I was just being me, and that's just the way it happened. So did I answer the comment about reserve seating? <laughs> <laughs> I went a long way there. You were, um, like you said, you were just being you, and you are, you're a mom, and you're a pastor. You take care of people, and so you, I think by the end, I think it was pretty clear to you that you were, you were a threat, like you were a form of, of competition, like you I were. definitely you, found that out. You, you had a, you had a congregation within the congregation, and I, again, that's not something you, you sought out to do? And I didn't want a congregation inside of the congregation, and I would not ever have gone anywhere with the congregation inside of the congregation. Never. 
all I wanted was I was hearing people's pain. I was seeing their pain. I was seeing their frustrations. And what I was seeing, I'm not even saying necessarily was a, their pain with Hillsong or their frustration with Hillsong. Part of it, yes. But their pain and their frustrations and their discouragement with their lives. That's what I was hearing I was seeing. And that's what hurt me. And that's what I just felt like, there's got to be something I can do about it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing. Didn't seem like anybody else on leadership care that's facts and so we I mean most of the people maybe everyone that I'm still close with outside of Hillsong from Hillsong like I can trace some kind of some kind of creative endeavor like we worked on something together outside of Hillsong Mm -hmm. like Hillsong might have been where we met but like we we bonded usually over art yes so you had the just do it crew and then I had Scandusical and all of this, all of this was kind of happening at the same time. So, I mean, you have been, have been, are just one of my just supporters, like ardent supporters. Like you just, you just come after me, whether I like it or not, <laughs> and remind me, you let me know what you think of me. And, and it's always, it's good. Right. But it's also always, you know, you, you don't, you don't hold back. And you tell people the truth. I try. (laughs) (laughs) And so we don't always agree. I don't always. Yeah. And I like that. Um, And I like that because I, you know, part of the reason I'm having you on here is because there's so many people, myself included, who are having tensions with parents, with with Hmm. Christian parents who were not were not safe and disagreeing with. You know, it's very, no, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm telling you. And if you don't agree, you're wrong. Hmm. You know, and the stakes, the stakes are always so high. And so with you, we're talking about high stake things all the time. But the stakes between us, there's no risk there. Right. That you can say whatever you want to me. I can say whatever I want to you. Right. Risk getting popped in the mouth, but that's on me. (laughs) (laughs) She is never physically. Oh, she might never. Have. No, never. No, she's never physically hit me. But <laughs> you know, we have we have banter, we have repartee, and we can we can go back and forth. But it's always, always love, always respect, oh, and we always learn something from each other. Yeah. Even in the back and forth, yeah, we always learn something from each other, something important. Yeah, and so it's been it's been good for me. Just over these past past couple years, and then the last time I came and saw you, a couple months ago, I'm talking about my faith and what I'm doing, in a kind of a public sense all the time. But I don't, I don't have many conversations with people who are close to me. You know, where people are asking me real questions like, "What do you actually think? What do you actually believe? How did you get here?" And so we had that conversation, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it's nothing to do with you. It's just my. My own, my own fear of just of how this has been talking to people from your generation, from your, you know, this place in my life, right? Like you're, you, you're a mother figure. And so it's very, it'd be very nerve wracking to be like, oh, how, how is this going to be accepted? What is this going to be? Because my experience has not been good. Right. You know? And so, yeah, just taking that risk. Like, All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to say where I'm at and what I think and. Whatever it will be, will be. 
and to just have you say okay yeah here's where I can see that and here's where I am and here's what I think and it's just like I don't think you know just what a what's that just what a woosah to just be able to to ex exhale wow okay like we're okay and this this can be okay it doesn't have to be trauma and drama all the time like me me thinking is not an emergency situation so i'm very thankful for that and i know a lot of people need something like that so here you are okay pastoring once i again. am not a pastor <laughs> <laughs> I do not see myself as a pastor in the least. Uh, I guess the reason why I don't see myself as a pastor is because I know a lot of the pastors at Hillsong. Right. And I am not one of them. But there, but that's kind of, you know, what we were talking about before, like all these things that have been kind of twisted and thwarted yeah. and our definitions have been messed up. And so they get the title. But I'm like, that's not. No, right. That's not what it's supposed to be. And so it sucks that they, they've ruined it, right? Like, I'm not a pastor because I'm not that. No, they are that because they're not a pastor. That's true. I remember Carl saying to me once, more than once, if you want to go someplace else, I'll, I'll escort you over there and I'll walk you over there. And you probably heard the same thing. I'll walk you over there and introduce you myself. And I the last time he said that to me, I said, Carl, I will never, ever go belong to another church on this side of heaven never and i think maybe somebody might have taken that as saying that i thought hillsong was the best god no hillsong honestly hillsong left the worst taste in my mouth as far as churches are concerned and i've been to other churches and i've been disappointed in other churches but this was this was disappointment on a big scale, a huge scale. So it's sad to say, and I, this is what bothers me too, is that I'm not the only one that has left Hillsong and is not going to another church. I'm an older woman. I've been saved longer than Carl and Cain and Blaze and all of them have been living. Mm -hmm. So I feel that I can stand without having to belong to a church to get what I need. I can get what I need between me and God because he's buried deep inside of me. But there are other people that have left and don't have that. And they're struggling with their faith and that bothers me too because honestly, I question a lot of things about my faith. I question a lot about the Bible. Mm -hmm. But it bothers me so much that Hillsong hurt people I'm going to say Hillsong because I'm talking about the people in Hillsong, the leadership in Hillsong, hurt people so bad that when they left, their idea of a church was what Hillsong was, and they never wanted to, or at least for a while, didn't want to belong to anything else that had church in their name. And honestly, when Ashley and I left Hillsong, I stayed longer than I wanted to stay because Ashley was there, because I felt like if I left before she did, and I knew she was going to eventually leave because I could see how much she was hurting. I felt that if I left before she did, she was going to get blackballed and treated even worse. But when Ashley and I left, 
I think it's when we took our road trip to California and a lot cleared up in our heads about Hillsong. When we came back, we knew that was it. It took, I tell you no lie, it took a good year and a half for me to get the hurt, the disappointment, I think the disappointment bigger than anything out of me that I could actually function about Hillsong. Mm -hmm. It took that long. Like uh, you said earlier, detox. It took that long to detox. It took that long to reprogram or unprogram me. There were good times at Hillsong. I will say that there definitely were good times. Um, I'm trying to come up with one. (laughs) (laughs) But were there... Because like now, now I think about Hillsong. Hillsong takes credit for, for the contents. And I say at this point, Hillsong is just the container. Mm-hmm. Like Hillsong itself is, adds nothing good. Like it's literally just a container. So I, any ambivalence I have about Hillsong are the moments where I'm like, oh, well, it wasn't all bad. Hillsong is all bad. There were good people. And so right, the, I guess that's what I would say. There are good people that I mean. Very good relationships that I cherish to this day. And I learned a lot about myself that um, I live today that I learned it. And most of it has to do with strength, Mm -hmm. getting stronger, because I had to. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. So how long, (laughs) what was your, if if it was a tombstone with your Hillsong dates... How long were we How there? How long was your Hillsong life? 2000. The first time I came to Hillsong was when Brian preached at Salvation Army. And that was the beginning service. Mm-hmm. The beginning of Hillsong, the official beginning. So I think that was in September maybe of 2011. And I think we left in 2016 or later. I think it was 2016. I always thought that we had been there for longer than five or six or seven years, but... Maybe. Did you, cause you, did you leave before me? Mm-hmm. Really? We left before you did. Really? You tried to hang in there. Dang. Really? Shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was probably... Uh, it was probably all pretty quick, so it was probably pretty yeah, back to back. Right, it was. I, I mean, technically, I was there till July 2017, but I last time I really attended was February. Yeah, yeah, and I had been sporadic before that. You know, it, it's you know, like you say, you guys' road trip. I think like you just have to get time away. It's like as long time as you're away. in the cycle. And even, uh, we couldn't do that while we were even still here in New York. It, we had to get out and see. I mean, we stopped at maybe four or five, and probably six motels, hotels, on our way going and on our way coming back. We took the dog and the cat. So it was a nice, it was really a nice trip. And I stayed with friends in Santa Barbara. Ashley uh, did a play there. And she also had a conference there. So it was, 
I don't think I even thought about Hillsong really while we were there. It was just totally different. Yeah. And we were in an area where they, our friend's house is called, it's on the Mesa. So there's a bluff and you can go out. There was an area you could go out to and you could stand and just, you're on a cliff, you could just look out and see all that water. It was just so relaxing. Yeah. Such a difference. And I think that's when we got to do some thinking and actually got to realize that that people cared for her and people appreciated her, really appreciated her talent. And that's why she was in that play. But when we came back, our minds were made up, not going back. Even when Carl came here and tried to convince me to come back, it didn't work. I shouldn't laugh. He was, I think he was serious. Because I think that my leaving made a big statement about Hillsong. Uh, some of the older members, there was just one particular one that would say to me, whatever you do, please don't leave, don't leave. We need you here. We really need you here. And I used to think to myself, you're probably like, what, five, six years younger than me? You can... Why can't you say... I need you need to be here because mm. I think there were times that I backed down from call and only because he had a way of sometimes making you feel like you are so wrong to bring that up you are so wrong to even discuss something like that so I would back down a bit sometimes but then I would get to the point where I felt like no I'm not backing down because I know what I'm saying, and I know that what I'm saying is right. So we had we had that in common, that we were we were people who had access to to the mm-hmm. Carl Lentz. Yeah, that had it. <laughs> that had its highs and lows. Yeah, and it made us feel like we were making a difference in the beginning, until we realized we weren't. Yeah. Do you remember that? Um, <laughs> When we had the black people's meeting. <laughs> of course. I know you do. And then, I mean, we sort of went around, Joel and I think Joel was there mm-hmm. and Carl was there. And we went around, crushed together in this little room, telling why we felt the way we did about the lack of diversity at Hillsong and on the pulpit, not at Hillsong, but on the pulpit and in leadership period. And I remember Carl saying, well, I don't want to just go out and start assigning people or doing this and doing that and lifting up people. I want it to happen organically. And we were like, no, 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 because if it was going to happen organically, it would have been happened. So then he said that he would make sure that there was a change, right? And remember, he, he, it, how can you be a black person and say that you never experienced any kind of racism or prejudice or whatever? I don't, I don't know a black person. Well, maybe I, I don't know Chris, so whatever. <laughs> but anyway, he just sort of jumped on Carl and Joe. Joe wasn't saying much because he knew better. But he just jumped on Carl's side and like, no, I don't think so. I think we're, you know, we're doing well and whatever. 
because he wanted to preach and he did eventually get to preach. And he did and he already was. And like the funny thing about that is putting putting that meeting together, I had the guest list. Mm-hmm. I made the guest list. So I knew who was coming and then I remember getting there. Yeah, I got there a little bit early because again, this is my, you know, it's me and Carl. This is our thing. We're putting this together. Mm-hmm. And so I saw, saw, saw some other folks and I'm like, oh, oh. So you have your team <laughs> and I have mine. Like you, you have handpicked some because these people were not on my list. Mm, they were not mm, mm, mm. because yeah, there were black men who were wearing white suits. Yeah. And no, no shade on anybody's on any interracial relationship exactly. at all. But I'm like, there's something strange when Every black person who is in leadership, there are no, there's no black couples. Every single one of these black men, not one of them is married to a black woman. So I'm like, so you can have, even if y'all are having your little meetings or whatever, and if they had actual input, they don't, but if they had actual input to give, there is still a whole segment of people who would just never be represented. There are no black couples. Like, that's... Yeah. That's, no, that's something. I, I didn't realize that, but you are absolutely right. Not one. But do you remember what happened after the meeting? So after, so in that moment when, when Carl said, I want it to be organic, we had a black civil rights attorney. Mm-hmm. Wonderful man. He's, mm-hmm. he's step, he says, well, it can't, you can't fix this organically because slavery wasn't organic. This was put in place on purpose. So the solutions have mm-hmm. to be put in place on, on purpose. purpose. And I saw that light come on. I'm like, I know Carl got it in that moment. Uh-huh. He knew what the, th- he knew, he knew. And so I had hope. I was like, okay, maybe. And then for the next the few Sundays, three, he, he had a black person do the offering message. Yes. And, and they and did then it stopped. wonderful. Yes did great and then yes as suddenly as it started it just stopped until black lives matter then they started again with the and had them up there that wonderful family i do love them they are wonderful but they started again having black people up there but what you you still missed what i was asking you what happened after we finished the meeting closed the meeting right there what happened right then mm-hmm. i don't know what happened we took pictures we didn't take pictures oh, yeah. jt took pictures and Carl posted the picture. Yeah. And what color was it? Black and white. <laughs> <laughs> it was, we were talking about black and white and diversity and the lack of diversity. And I guess he wanted to get brownie points, so he made, he, they, they used the filter or whatever, mm-hmm. and he made the picture black and white. When I saw that, my eyes popped. I'm like, no, he did not. Why do we have a black and white picture? I guess because he wants to say he sees no color. That's not true. I don't know any white person can can say that they see no color. They like to say it, though. Anyway. (laughs) And then the next thing after that, yeah, because before the black people could get on platform, we had to have a special class. That's right. And what was in that class? You there were things you couldn't say. 
It wasn't even, it was just, it was so, I mean, all of this, right? It's just so insulting because you will put these white boys up here for nothing. Yes. For nothing. But now we got to have a class on, and you going to teach me how to pick out a scripture and write a sermon. I'm writing your boys' sermons. (laughs) Currently. Yes, you were writing Josh Kahn's sermons for him. Had been for years. But I got to come here on a Saturday morning. Please don't tell me Josh taught any of those classes. <laughs> that would be so ridiculous. He wasn't there. I don't Huh? I don't know. I mean, because Josh was the preaching pastor, right? Yes. Like, he was over, yes. over the teaching and who was getting on the platform. So, I mean, it's just insulting. Totally insulting. How could he be a preaching pastor? Ugh. But he was. But he was. We let it happen. I sit there and, and took it. And I remember saying something to Carl about that, having a long discussion. And he said, I don't know how you could even say that because my executive pastor is a black woman. Tolu. I don't have anything else to say about that one. But that's... But that's the, the thing that I used, I would talk to Carl about is that he started some things and he was kind of maybe heading in the right direction. But for somebody that loves basketball so much and knows how important it is to follow through, he never followed through and that was the big problem. And getting somebody like Chris to be able to keep preaching as much as he did did not mean, did not mean that you were doing something to help diversity. No, you just got another one of your boys yeah. up there. I don't know. That's that's the hard part of, about it all, right? Because they learn how to how to trick the system. So yeah. he will say, "Yeah, no, yeah, look at my my executive pastor." But then now we got to have deeper conversations about who's colonized and who's not. Like it's not about yeah, you just getting people. You picking the the colored people that you like and who will say what you mm-hmm. want them to say. And you're going to put them up here. And it works for a while. Like, we'll, we'll take that. But, oh, we got one. Yeah. There's, look at that. Look, look at, that. at that. Look at that. But it, I mean, eventually, like, you just get in that uncomfortable place of just realizing, like, oh, this just isn't, this isn't for me. And what I would need to become, to rise here, you know, I mean, they... That's what they want you to say, right? And, uh, before anything, I'm mm-hmm. a Christian. Before I'm anything, before I'm black, before I'm a woman, before I'm just a Christian. I'm just a Christian. Like that's that's my identity, and I did that for a long time. Oh gosh, remember the long hours and the every day, Sunday all day. Monday was leaders meeting. Tuesday was connect group meetings. Wednesdays was exchange. Uh, exchange cat calling you Janice um, Thursday was creative creative Friday was um, the youth youth Friday night live for a while Friday um, night live yes and Saturday what night did they meet with the college kids I mean it was every every day and night of the week there was something, something. that we were required to attend to be a part of which now I think about it, I'm like, this is 
That's control. This is cult behavior. That is, and it's cult, is, and it's control. This is why you had to leave the state for you know a significant amount of time to clear your head because you're in it and you're so yes. in it. This becomes your whole life. These are the only people I know. These are the only people I see. This is all that I do. So if I leave here, who am I going to be friends with? Right. Who am I going to talk to? But the truth of the matter is, I had a one friend that I talked to a lot, and it was a lady whose hair I did. And I would actually talk to her about some of the stuff at Hillsong, and she would say, Mary, that's a cult. You need to get out of there. But otherwise, I was so, there were so many people coming at me. All my friends were y'all young people. Mm-hmm. And the relationship I had with y'all was totally different than, you know, just being friends, except for some people. Mm-hmm. So my thought of leaving, I sort of felt like I would let a lot of people down. Well, cause that's, that's the stages, right? So first you come in and you're trying to learn everything and you're trying to figure out how, how can I rise here? How can I, how can I get in and how can I do whatever I'm trying to do? And then, then you get humbled. You know, oh, I had the wrong. You get slapped down. You don't get humbled. You get slapped down. I had the wrong attitude. And now I'm not making it because of something about me. Because I'm offended all the time. Right. So what do do I need to adjust? How can I play the game? So you do that. And then, then it gets to a point where it's like, oh, okay. I don't know how I feel about this. But now I'm the buffer. I'm keeping my connect group. I'm keeping my mm-hmm, friends. Mm-hmm. I'm keeping my people from having a bad experience. I mm. can I can get you the seats. I can get you the access. I can get whatever. So now I got to stay here because I can't. I can't, can't let them. I can't have, abandon them. Right. I can't let them have the full experience. <laughs> and maybe I'm here because I'm supposed to change it. So now it's my job to change this, and to protect these people. And he's like, oh, I can't change this. What am I? Maybe I just have to let them have this experience. Mm. But then who am I going to have on the outside? Right. Because even even when I was leaving, right, that was one of my, I'm not taking anybody. I'm not, I'm telling you, well, Tulu, because Carl won't meet with me, but I'm telling you, Tulu, these are my reasons, and this is, this is why. But I'm not going to say that to anybody else. I'm not trying to ruin anybody else's oh, experience. Wow. You know. And that is such a true being and like you said, a cult and an abusive relationship. You don't want to harm the abuser. Right. That's sad. Right. Because we didn't even didn't even have the language for it. And I'm leaving feeling like this is not this is not healthy for me as a woman. It's right. not healthy for me as a black woman. Right. It's not good for me. But honestly, I don't even know what else is out there. I don't even know. Like you're telling me, literally telling me, you're not gonna find what you're looking for. We're doing, mm-hmm. we're doing better on this mm-hmm. than anyone. This is the best. This this is the best thing that ever happened to you. Yeah, you are not gonna find. And I don't. You might be right. I don't know because I've been in this world so long. Y'all have had me wrapped up in this so long. I don't know. So this is a huge risk for me, but I gotta take it because it is. This is not good for me. So I gotta go. And like you said, there's that, that detox. And then you gotta wake up to it and then you gotta grapple with, oh my goodness, what was I part of? How all the ways I was complicit, all the ways I exactly. upheld this system. The guilt that comes with the detoxing when you realize 
I was part of this system that, and I, I've done some of the same stuff to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially as people who, again, I was, I mean, I wasn't at the top by any means, by any means, but I had some privilege in the system. Right. I had, you know, and at a certain point when I was thinking about leaving, like I had to be honest with myself, like, no, I'm at this point, I am thinking about myself and what is it going to mean for me to lose? I'm going to start over. With friends and somewhere and you've been living a Christian life for so long how are you going to even do it right I don't know how to do anything else like this thankfully not as much as some people the way it makes you just dependent on on it for everything yeah no I think thank God for art and always kind of having yes that the shame is I saw so much talent in that church and I think that the church drew talent to it talent gravitated toward Hillsong and I saw so much talent but so much frustration so much frustration that time remember I told you Carl called me in the green room discussion we had he wasn't happy with I actually told him he got real angry with me. I said, I think along the way that you guys have lost the purpose for being here. I said, yeah, it is to lead people to Christ, just to get people, as many people to save as possible. I said, but, you know, the Bible calls us to train up disciples and then send them out into the world. I said, Carl, there's a, a, a wealth of gifted people in this church. They gravitate here, they come here. God sends them here. And what you should be doing is building them up on the inside, helping them to be able to pursue their dreams, to not give up, not work them half to death where they don't have time to do anything else but be a part of church. And then don't make them feel like they're less than nothing because that's what the church was doing to them. But you should be able, you should be train, discipling them to go out and preach or spread the gospel and at the same time pouring into their creative spirit so that you've got actors that will want to go to Los Angeles, San Francisco, uh, Paris. You've got photographers, artists. You've got all these people with all these gifts and talents that if you <laughs> just put the love of God in them, just to help them to understand what Jesus did and to spread the word, and at the same time, shore them up and their talents. You could just send people out like crazy. And they'd be in all fields. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'd be everywhere. But I, I told them, I just, I said, I think y'all, you, you've gotten to the point where you just hold people here to volunteer and to work. To do and me that's menial it. tasks. Yes. Like, I never, Hillsong never helped my talent. Like, it, no. it just, it hurt. It hurt. And now to look at it, the way they nitpick at each other and as mean, mean as they are to each other behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, and there's so much, just insecurity. And some of it rightfully so. Like, y'all are dum-dums. You were uneducated 
people who can't do anything outside of this and you're mean you're just mean Mm -hmm. people so there has to be probably some kind of delight in like downing people who are more talented who have who could have options outside here like what is that like to be able to lord over these people and I get to Mm. tell you Mm, mm, mm. you're not good enough sorry and that's one of the things that that I totally I remember mm, no this is not something I want to discuss but I know on the worship team you had to have a certain look and then it had to be after you didn't if you didn't have a certain look then you were always a front line you were never a leader Mm -hmm. worship leader and then in addition to that if there was a female that could play the guitar she could not be up there playing the guitar with a male so they stopped all the females from playing guitar so that only a male dads Tim or whoever would be up there playing the guitar. Only the males. We were being taught men are the head. Yeah. yeah and they get to they they lead, period. They lead. They lead in everything. Even playing guitar. Right. Anyway, we weren't even supposed to be on this subject. What did I tell you? <laughs> Guys, Jan I asked Janice to send me a list of the questions that she was she had for me. And I looked through them, and Ashley asked me how I felt about it today. I said, I think it's going to be boring. And she said, why? I said, the question Janet sent me. It's like, you're a mother, right? How long have you been a mother? Or what are those kind of questions? <laughs> well, Janice knew. <laughs> Janice knew me, and she knew that I was going to start talking. So I'm sorry if I bet y'all's ears. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're here to do. But I think people need to hear what other people were feeling when they were going through this with Hillsong. I think people need to hear why we have begun to fight back. Right. I think they really need to know the why behind it. That it's not that we felt like we were being left out or we didn't get what we wanted. No. We were hurt and others were hurt. And that's why we started fighting. Oh, I think about, I remember one person who just poured her heart into Hillsong. I love this person to death. And I can't remember exactly, but I got a phone call from somebody from New York Presbyterian saying, would I come up and see this young lady? And I couldn't believe But what had happened is that she lost where she was living. And here it is, the dead of winter, she's outside. And she was found like that, and they took her to New York Presbyterian in the the area where they help people who are going through distress. And there's so much more about this young lady. She was one of the people that I admired so much. And I felt Hillsong treated her so wrong. And then I remember another young lady that, and these are young ladies I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I remember another young lady that slept on a bench one night 
before, she, and I think she was out. She was out in the street, on the streets in the cold for maybe two or three nights. She told me about it afterwards. And it just hurt. And I know of another lady who came to me and asked me, could I speak to somebody because she couldn't get through to anybody that she's being evicted. She had no place to go. And I did. And I remember at one leaders meeting, I think it was a leaders meeting, I brought up about the church helping some of the people that were struggling and being evicted from their homes and whatever. And this one particular person said, it's illegal for the church to just give money to people. We can't, the church can't do that. And I said, it is not illegal. That's what's called the Church Benevolence Fund. Mm -hmm. And I just could not believe that she would actually say that. And I knew it wasn't true. And I don't know if it was before or after that. But I know one day I left there crying. And I walked all the way home crying because it hurt me so bad what was being done and said in these meetings and what was not happening, how they were not helping people. But I remember, I also know that I reached out to Carl because me and my family, my son and my daughter, were in this apartment where we're living now. Ashley and I have been here for 10 years now. By the grace of God, it's awesome. And we were facing eviction. And I texted Carl and said, can you help? And he said, how did you get in this situation? And I'm like, that's the thing that made me mad. They would ask you, how do you get in this situation? You don't put yourself in these situations. You find yourself in it when you, you're drowning and you're trying to climb out. Mm -hmm. But in any case, he said, what do you need? I told him. He told me that Reed would be reaching out to me. Reed did and told me to come and pick up a check. That check was to pay what we had. We were in arrears with this to keep us from being evicted. Now, I will never forget this. Reed told me that they don't do this. But past, he said, but, but Carl insisted. He put his foot down and said, no, you will do this. And he got in trouble for it. But see, he shouldn't have had to insist. He shouldn't have gotten in trouble for it. Because you're working people, you've got all these, these people volunteering all of their time. They're working part-time jobs, three part-time jobs, just to try to pay their rent. They get behind, they come to you for help and you won't help. It's not right, it's wrong. So that was stuff that I was seeing and that was that's stuff that I think people need to know that I was seeing and why we fight. Yeah, and to, and to talk about that, like there are two people in this conversation and 100% of them have dealt with some kind of eviction action while at Hillsong. Yep. And I think about it now and like, yeah, I got evicted and it's my fault and I take responsibility for that and also but were you paying tithes at the time? that's what I was about to say also I Thank was you. tithing faithfully volunteering faithfully and like falling behind on rent but also you know magical religious thinking right no I'm doing God's the right gonna provide, thing God's gonna provide God's gonna provide God's gonna come and through and at the time you're thinking the church is gonna come through for me right and I was one of the people they didn't they didn't pay my back rent but they paid for the U-Haul and and like even now listening to your story Carl didn't get in trouble for that like there were they lay this stuff on and it and it works right because mm -hmm. now you feel indebted and now I feel 
you know, oh, they did, they did come through for That's me. They true, didn't, do. yeah. They didn't have to do whatever because now I'm like these people had. Who was he getting in trouble for? Like these people had thousands of dollars just to spend at a dinner on a Sunday night. Like this, the money, the money that would change our lives. They were playing with just on a regular, exactly. regular basis. When we would have our Thanksgiving dinner, Ashley and I have always had Thanksgiving dinner here. Now we go to my son's, but we always cook Thanksgiving dinner anyway. But we would always invite people from church that we knew didn't have family and they would not probably not go in someplace else. We always invited people and they came and we always had a spread that we paid for out of our pockets. Mm -hmm. I, and I remember seeing the long tables at the Lynch's house mm -hmm. with all the, I mean the long table just laid out with the china and the crystal and all of this for Thanksgiving dinner. And there was a time that I finally realized that Carl didn't really like me as much as he was saying that he did. And I didn't think Laura did either. He always told me, Laura loves you. And I'm like, no, he said, he would say, this, Laura and I love you. We really appreciate you. And I'd say to myself, in my mind, uh, you do, I don't know about Laura. But I was never, ever, ever not any time that I was there, invited to their house. Mm -hmm. The only time I was in the home that they lived in was when Carl had volunteers from the first conference that were at the Radio City Music Hall in their apartment. I was there. I was invited to that. But I was never invited to his house, not for dinner, not for anything. And you know, it says a whole lot when you won't invite somebody to your home. Yeah. <laughs> I was invited to the Lentz home. You was? Once, before, like when they first came to watch their kids, I was subbing in for, because they had their whole roster, they had all the regular babysitters, and it was just like a gap, so someone couldn't make it. And so, me and, I won't name him, but we, we got called in to like come for a few hours. And I remember thinking, I don't know if this is a, a black person or whatever, but I'm like, my mom, like, we just, you just didn't go. When I was like a teen, like growing, you can't just be going to people's houses that I don't know. My mom was so protective of who could watch us and whatever. And I'm like, y'all, y'all have seen me maybe once but or twice. But you don't know me. But you don't, you don't know me. And you're just, all right, well, here's, here's the kids. Like, whatever. Like, I didn't have... At that point, like, I didn't have a way to, like, contact them directly. It would have been through if something happens. I got to call, you know, the regular babysitter service, and I guess they'll contact you. But at that point, because what it was, it was a Saturday night, because they didn't spend Saturday night with their kids. Carl had to get his head spaced and prepare for whatever, so they would stay in a hotel on Saturday nights. Oh, wow. So, so that was at the Lentz home for that, and that's when they were still in Brooklyn. Um, they were and, at the compound. Yeah. The early days of the compound. And then when they, for a while, when I was going to staff meetings and they were having them at their house in Montclair. So I've been to the house there. But even now, it's like, you, I got to pay this. That's not a social invite, though. Yeah, That's, no, uh, no, no, I've never been invited to anything. No, not at all. 
You know, it's funny. I think I have probably shared a lot that you didn't know was going on. You shared a lot that I didn't know was going on. And I think that your listeners, you're, they're going to learn a lot that they didn't know about what was going on in, at Hillsong at that time. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing. Like, we were all here side by side, like working side by side on putting this church together. And none yes. of us knew what what other people were going through because we were so busy trying to keep this church running trying to keep up appearances no i'm fine i'm good i'm great and then just assuming no it's it's better for everybody else this is just happening this is only me because of the position i'm in right right and whatever god is trying to work out in me this is me but everybody else they're fine (laughs) <laughs> and even for us, like we already knew we were Carl's, two of Carl's favorites, right? Mm-hmm. But to even just see the parallels in just our simple experiences. But we weren't treated like two of his favorites. His, his other leaders, they were treated like his favorites. Right. Well, I mean, now with hindsight, like. With hindsight, yeah. Nobody was treated like his favorites. Well, not injured. That's a whole other thing. Like he's just Carl Lentz is not a he's not a good dude. Um, yeah. So our experiences were were what they were, and in some ways, honestly, we're lucky. I didn't yeah. see the worst of him. I mean, he definitely yeah was mean and. Was, say mean things but then I think you and I both we would come back at him yeah so he could he'd get one of my long emails <laughs> <laughs> but then again he would write me long emails too he loved a long a long mm-hmm. email a long text message yes so you would send him long ones back I would just ignore him and that would fire him <laughs> up I remember he was trying to get me and Ashley to come to this there was another meeting and this is the one I left there crying, I think. And Meredith, I think, had organized it. Or she kept sending me out. Carl would like for you and Ashley to please, you know, come to the meeting. And I never said I would be there because I wasn't. I was not playing. I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing any more of these meetings. And then he texted me. <laughs> and I think is this is probably where the the comment in one of his sermons where he said, you know I can see the bubble. <laughs> he said, I don't know if you mean this or not, but you know I can see that you read my text message. <laughs> and finally I said, all right, Ashley, let's go. And Ashley said, Ma, I said, we're over here, let's go. So we went, we were late, called, and Joel came in after we did because he had been sitting outside waiting to see me, he said, so he could walk in with me, but he missed it when I walked in. (laughs) But I think it was that meeting that, um, I mean, I left there and Janice, it was at 184 Kent in in the office and I, I could not wait to get up and get out of there 
I was waiting for Joel to finish the prayer and I got up because I knew the tears were starting to fall. So I got up and I walked out and I just kept walking. I did not look back. I came home. I cried all the way home. I mean, I cried loudly all the way home. People looking at me, people asking me that I need help. And I just, all the way home, I cried. They broke my heart. And that was it. But I really and truly pray. Well, I'm not going to say what I pray, but I know that um, Brian and whatever, they think we're demons and devils and gossipers and all that kind of stuff, and we're not. We are, we have just as much of a relationship with God as they do, or I do, and we can hear Him or feel His direction just as much as they can better than they can because they make things their own way a lot of the times because you can't tell me that the stuff they're doing that they know is all right with god you cannot tell me that do you think they actually believe any of this do i think they actually believe i believe some of them do and I believe some of them don't. And the some of them that are don't are riding on the waves, the wonderful waves that the, some of them that do believe are leaving behind the wake. But I believe the some that do, like us, eventually fall away because they see too much. Mm-hmm. And then they're the ones that don't, they're gonna stay in there because it's very lucrative. That was a tough question, Janice. That was a good one. <laughs> you ain't got to sound so surprised. No, I should have started out with, that's a good question, Janice, because you know everybody does that now. <laughs> what is that, to give them two seconds to think about their answer? <laughs> no, I said it, not that I'm surprised, but I said it because it really was a it really was a good question. It made me think. Yeah, he will call us demons and devils and gossipers and all these things. And I'm like, I don't, you know that we're not. Right, you know that we are not. Oh, that's what you meant. Does he believe that? No. Well, no, I mean, that's, do they believe, they believe the whole of what of they're doing? Because, right. like you said, you couldn't, I, I could not treat people the way that they do if I really believed. Mm hmm. In hell, there's no right? way. There's in, no way. In in any of this, you couldn't, because like you said, those of us, I didn't, I didn't leave Hillsong because I was falling away from the Bible or Jesus at that mm-hmm. point. I left because I was falling more into it. Like I was trying to justify this stuff. Like I, for me personally, it was like I feel, I feel that this is not. This isn't right for women. This is not right for black people. Mm-hmm. This is really concerning to me. But like they would tell me, right? No, this is this is your little pet pet passion. You're concerned about this, but God mm-hmm. isn't. So that was the question I had. God, are you really not concerned about this? Right. Do I really need to get on board with this? Like, are they right? Am I making too much about something right. that you really... Am I the only one and everybody else is happy? Right. 
But thank God you were talking to other people. Yeah. Only at the end, right? You start whispering to each other, hey. Yes. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and so, so much trepidation, because it's like, you don't know who the spies are and who's going. Oh my goodness, the spies. The spies, the spies, the spies. The spies. And at some point, I've probably been a spy, to be honest. I know that I got asked to be, and I refused. I was asked to be a spy on and because Kane wanted to know what type of people they were. What I told him that I thought they would be great connect group leaders. And he said, well, no, I want to learn more about them before that. So you just keep your eye on them and let me know if you see anything wayward or whatever. I said, no, I will not. Question for you. Uh-oh. Uh-uh, it's simple. How did you feel writing Josh's sermons? Did you feel like, just how did you feel? <clears throat> um, well, initially, and and this, this kind of ties back to, you know, oh, I'm not invited to the house, but I'm invited to the meetings, and I'm allowed to, I'm not, I don't have this, but I'm allowed to do this. Like, they just got us used to, to being thankful for crumbs, right? Yes. And so, so with Josh, it was, okay, somebody's recognizing my talent. That's great. Is it, is it strange? Is it strange? Probably. But anytime my ego would rise up, right, then I, this is me learning to put it down. So this is what I can do right now. And this has to be enough. This is what I should be thankful for this. This is hmm. an opportunity. Um, and me thinking I could do more or maybe should do more. No, nah, you gotta you gotta settle down. Like this is this is why you don't have it. Because you want it too much. Like that's that's another thing where they would play with that, you know, even Carl's origin story, right? He oh I was at the Bible college and they called me out and I hid in the bathroom because I didn't I didn't want to do it. Like this idea of God is only picking people who don't want it. You know, so you gotta be humble. You have to not want it. That's when you'll get it. That's when you get it. So I'm trying to learn to not want it. I'm trying to be thankful for the opportunity. Also, I'm happy to be to be helping. Like this is helping everybody for his sermons to be better. You know, because we all got to sit through this. So. so at least I get I'm getting an opportunity to kind of preach a little bit. And you know, if this this is the best I can do. It feels good to hear my joke go over well. Like, <laughs> and like I, I have no issue. The issue for me isn't isn't ghostwriting. Lots of people ghostwrite right. for you know and, and work with people on, on lots of things. Like that's great. The issue is I'm getting no credit. This is this big secret. And now thinking about it, I'm getting no money. I'm not getting paid for this in any way. But he is. He is. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. And so what broke it for me with Josh was when he, and you know, <laughs> Josh and I never hung out. I never been to his house. Um, I think we had coffee, I'll say three times to make sure I'm telling the truth. I think it was twice, but so I'll say three times. He, so he's, Josh Kimes has spent $20 <laughs> on me, you know, however long. And like the first coffee was, just to talk about this arrangement, we're gonna set this up. 
And then one time we met up, but he had to go to a soccer game. So, like, I came all the way downtown and probably saw him for, like, five minutes and he had to go. And then, yeah, I met up on one of my lunch breaks because he's all excited. And what it was is he was planning to write a book. I'm going to write a book someday. I mean, that's a whole other thing because they can't just write books. They got to get permission from from whoever because look who's, who's, who's been allowed to write books. Christine Kane, Robert Ferguson, and then Carl. And, like, that's it. Like, nobody in Hillsong really gets to write a book. So he, I guess, I guess he got the clearance to someday wow. write a book. So he's talking about in five years' time, he's like, yeah, and I really, I'm, I want you to help me with it. And I, something just clicked for me, and I'm almost like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, this is all you see for me, and you think I'm going to be here in five years, <laughs> still writing for you, and now I'm going to write your book? Mm, 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 mm. Oh. Oh, no. Oh. And so that was, that was a little bit devastating. Mm. Honestly, and because meanwhile, like seeing these these idiots just rise and be put in places, and for Josh to be over a whole congregation in Boston. So who was writing his? Who was helping him with his sermons then? Other people. There were other ghostwriters. I found out. Mm. Which mm-hmm. also, <laughs> wow, wasn't even special. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> just the disrespect. But then I have to sit with that. I took that. Like, was that like people treat you the way, the way you teach them to? And something about me at that time, he knew he could ask for that. And because you were trying so hard, you were trying so hard to be what Hillsong wanted you to be. Yeah. And I remember one time, an email. I think or text messaging, talking to Carl about um, just do it, crew. Oh, I remember in that green room too. That part of that conversation was, I told him, I said, Carl, you guys have these retreats all the time, every year, a couple times a year. You're gonna have your retreat. Volunteers are working so hard, and there's not a retreat for them. Um, I said, even if you found a place and say they had to chip in half for it. They would be so grateful to be able to go and be on this retreat after they have put in all this work at church. So I guess now they're doing the volunteer retreats. But from what somebody said about their experience at retreat, it's a cult. (laughs) It's still a cult. (laughs) They're brainwashing. Colt's, Colt's gonna cope. Oh, gosh. And, like, did you, what, what did you think Hillsong's financial status was when Poor. we were there? Never enough money. Just, just barely making it. Scraping the bottom. And then I find out how many millions of dollars they were raking in. Every week. But that's crazy, right? Because we all had we this all perception. had this idea that you know they were poor just like us. Yeah, and barely making it because what was the stat they would give? And they would how many? Only ten percent of the people, maybe less than that, like tied regularly. So then you feeling like number one, good for me, because look at me, 
doing this. Number one, I stopped tithing. I'm doing, I'm doing good, and I'm one of, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I have to keep tithing because I'm holding this together. You know, I'm one of the the faithful few. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, they were rich. So even that idea, even if you, you know, people will chip in half. We would have happily chipped in half. Yes. And they could have easily. That easily just paid for everybody. Got a limousines or fly y'all someplace. I mean, volunteers, not y'all, because I was a volunteer too. They had, so they had the money. They had the money. We, well, we found that out in hindsight too. <laughs> Well, I remember when we did Hillsong Conference. What was the first Hillsong Conference? The first one? Yeah. Michael, uh, the music hall, Radio City Music Hall. Is that where we were? That was the first one. Okay. Because, yeah, because they're going into all these places, so they have to use the union, the union mm-hmm. workers. And all these places have, have rules, which, I mean, that's the other thing. Every place has rules, and, like, Hillsong has burnt so many. They, they, and- they, they, break, they felt like... That it comes down to privilege. Right. Privilege. They felt like rules were meant to be broken. They could break any rule they wanted to. If the fire department, fire marshal said you can't have um, five thousand people in here, then they would have. They would still have five thousand people in there. They did it. They didn't care. They would have five thousand and one just to be defiant. Like we're gonna do what we want to do. But Carl was preaching that message, and I forgot what the prop was what was his message but he had this huge prop that he would stand behind and then come out from so we had to bring in whatever it was but like you can only bring in a certain amount of things you can only whatever you're gonna get fined mm. and the fine was gonna be like twenty thousand dollars and he was like no i need it i don't care and like the prop like he literally only used it for like the last five like you you don't need this but you just want it I think, and that was one of the first ones. Like, oh, I think, I think they have more money. Mm-hmm. So now I see why you say he didn't get in trouble. <laughs> he didn't get in trouble. No. No, that was a scam. I don't know. I just hope I and pray it. all of this gets straightened out. However, God has to straighten it out. I'm just hoping and praying it all gets straightened out, because. Just like any abusive relationship, a husband and wife, it can't keep going on. And I don't care what they say, maybe Krishan and his wife are doing better here, which may be the case, I don't know. But I know it's not the case in these other global hill songs. It's not, they're still doing it. It's the, it's the pattern. I mean, they, it's the pattern that they... And it's probably not a pattern that they sort of started with. Well, it could have been. Brian might have figured, in order for this to work, we got to get volunteers that we don't have to pay. Mm-hmm. And we need a lot of volunteers. And they have to do all the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, I don't think... I don't think everybody comes in bad. I think people generally, genuinely come in with good intentions. Good intentions. And wanting to be part of something good. But I think power and money corrupt. Corrupt. And, and, and again, like it's no accident that Hillsong hasn't gotten more educated. Like they have, it's not like they started out with people who don't have much Bible education or whatever, but now 
now we started sending people to proper Bible colleges and these people have actual degrees or they have counseling mm-hmm. certification or whatever. Like now we have people with real qualifications. No, y'all have stayed at the same level of education. Because that's what they can control. Right. Right. And I think that's very, very purposeful. Like you said, like you're not taking you're not taking people with a lot of options. You're getting them young. You're sending them to your Bible college. That hmm. don't count for nowhere outside of Hillsong or outside of evangelicalism. So you got people trapped trapped in this life. And it's like, and if we're... I think everybody has questions. Just, you have to. Faith, like, that's the whole thing, right? You're mm-hmm. not, you, don't, you don't know. So you should be thinking about these things and having questions. And you have to, I think you have to, you've got to look at things and see if they make sense. Right. But a lot of people went to Hillsong Bible College for its reputation. And that's not good. If, you, if you're going to uh, go to Bible College, go to one that's going to teach you why Hillsong. Right. You know, go to Washington Bible College or one of these other big Bible colleges that really is that really going to immerse you in studying the Bible and religion and the history of it and all of that. Right, <laughs> right, because here's a good place to remind everybody that we call it Hillsong Bible College. They don't even call it that. That's Mm-mm. not what it is. It is Hillsong International Leadership College. They're teaching you Hillsong leadership, not Ooh. the Bible. And you may or may not be able to get into a leadership position when you graduate from here. Right. Right. That's going to depend a lot on how you look, honestly. Uh, how you look, right. Not how you perform, not how you perform, but how you look. That's right. But how you look. It's not even about whether or not you, did you finish the Bible college or did you just go? Like with Tiffany, I mean, she, she finished. Mm-hmm. And they put her in a volunteer position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's why I guess just there are so many. Hillsong is full of good people. Yeah. But they are volunteers. There are a lot of people, even the couple people who came at me when I started um, being, well, once Carl got fired and I started being more, posting more about Hillsong, even those people, I believe they believe in the work that they're doing in Hillsong. And I think they also have seen the bad. But they say, you know, whatever they're doing overrides the bad. No, it doesn't. It's like foxes in a hen house. The the bad is just gonna keep eating and chipping away. Right. And so and like like I get it. We've been there, right? Like we've been we've been the big hen shielding the other hens. Mm-hmm. So I'm here. Yeah, the foxes are here, but we're all hens, we're all good. And it's just, I don't know, it's like you just gotta come, you gotta come out of it and get get above it and then realize like, oh, we've given, you've just given so much credit and so much authority to these people and like this idea that, first of all, that you have to be under somebody's authority, that you have to be in a church and it has to look like this. Cause I'm like, you can, you can take those people and go. 
Like the real relationships, the real friendships, that stuff is gonna exist outside of here. It, sh it should be able to, if it's healthy, mm -hmm. then it will. But like to feel like you have to stay here and I have to be, we have to allow all this bad mm -hmm. so that this little bit of good can happen. That's why I'm like, no, I don't, I don't believe that. You can go. <laughs> and sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to stop being the shield. I'm gonna ask you what you think of something. Cause yeah, cause I just, I don't believe a good God needs um, all this bad to do his good work. There is a article, Development and Hillsong Found a Court Case. And it's where it talks about how his uh, lawyers, Brian's lawyers, or they had a representative go to the court and request a postponement because of weather. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that Brian had said at some other point about him stepping down. And along with this, the board and I have been having detailed discussions around requirements for leadership. And we've talked about the effects of the situation with my father going back many years up to the current legal case and the impact that this has had on me emotionally. Did you, you forgot your, your violin? <laughs> this is a guy who calls us, all of us, and I say us, the people who have shared our stories, our stories about what has happened to us, calls us demons and liars. Oh yeah, liars, I forgot that, liars. All of these names, but he can talk about how this very real thing that happened, just like our very real things that happened, how hard it is on him emotionally. But Janice, it's not hard on you emotionally. You just want to lie and gossip. <laughs> For fun. <laughs> For fun. Nice and easy. But the same as about a month or two ago when Laura started coming back on Instagram and she's talking about how hard that how emotional and how hard it's been for her and at the one point you know i didn't i've never struggled with anxiety or whatever it was must be nice right oh this just hit you you had no like you just had all this stuff that was she happening. had no clue about carl she had no clue about what was being done wrong at church she had no clue about neona or right in her home or so she right and then you want to cry now about all the things that people say blah, 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 blah. cry me a river honestly is this have you gone through some stuff i don't think it's just i don't think i think she's got a lot more working through to do absolutely i know i talked to one person talked to two people i've talked to just about every leader except tolu and and the barges <laughs> I have. I remember one of the leaders saying, it's just, I wish there would be somebody that's on my side, because this leader reached out to me. I wish there would be somebody that would be on my side. And I'm thinking, you, you, are you subtly asking me to be on your side? Because I can't. And then what I said to that person and another person that seemed to be having some real feeling some real guilt and remorse. 
till I talked to my friend the other day and I found out. Mm -mm. Anyway, I said, this is what people want. They want for you guys to say, I know I hurt you and I'm so sorry. That would cover a multitude of the sins y'all have committed against people. And I said, it's not a situation of saying, I'm sorry if I hurt you. Mm -hmm. Nope. It's I'm sorry I hurt you because you own up to it. Right. But then it just kept coming back to, but if I just had somebody on my side, you know, somebody that was prominent, somebody could speak. And the other person, I said, you're going to work through this and eventually you're going to get to the point where you realize you're not going to have any peace until you say, forgive me, I'm sorry. And even, it's like you said about, I don't think any one of these preachers should be going off and starting any churches anywhere until they have sat down for a long time and just reckoned with themselves and what happened here, what has happened here. I don't think that they are stable enough to be able to be leading any people. Not after what happened here. Because I know that as much as they might deny that this stuff went on, they know it went on. They know it. So I don't think any of them, and I heard another one is starting a church with somebody else. I don't think any of them should be starting churches. No. I think if anything, what you want to do, go sit in some churches. Go sit in a, find a healthy church. And go, go sit, sit in there it. and Sit learn. under the person, the people. Yeah. And I hope that whoever hears me, if any of the leaders that were involved in all of this hears this, they would take into account what I just said. You don't need to be going anywhere, starting any churches. You're not well yet. Right. And Mary's being more gracious <laughs> than I am. <laughs> I think there was, there was a time when an apology would have gone a long way. But at this point... It's not enough. It's not enough. Y'all need to be... Apologetic and there need to be some reparations. Reparations. Yep. I agree. You need to be repairing the damage that you did. And so, yeah, you don't, you do not get to just move on to another church. No. No. And if you are, if y'all are listening to this and you just have just moved on, how? How? That's how? the word. How? How? And, you know, I don't trust trust any of them because all of y'all move funny because all of you, you will acknowledge, oh, well, something happened, but y'all are still in each other's comments. Y'all are still, everybody's buddies. Nobody has, nobody has anything to say to anybody. So you will just let these people move on and do more damage here. And it's like all this bad stuff happened, but we don't know who's responsible. We all got our, our severance pay. We're all still collecting checks we've all signed our NDAs and it is what it is and all the people who you were supposed to be in here for who you were supposed to be caring for they're the ones bearing the brunt of this mm -hmm. and still carrying everything mm -hmm. and still expected to carry on and just trust y'all again and for what and yeah and how how do you do that Oh, how long have we been at this? 
Yep, so we got to none of the questions. <laughs> so because we just started talking right off the bat. Which I knew would happen. You did? So we'll uh we'll have to come back. But I said this was gonna be It's one of your questions I do want you to ask. Which it's one? The one about when you first knew I was a rebel. <laughs> That's like the first question that we did. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, like I said, I can't even remember how how or when it came up. And so first my first clue that oh this lady's something different. She a little she might be a little <laughs> bit of a rebel. Was again, I don't remember how it came a up. A lot of bit of a rebel. <laughs> in what context. But and at the time I didn't even have the word for like affirming, but affirming of of gay people and gay relationships. The most I can say at times, oh, she's she's fine with it. She's not she's not bothered by it, huh? <laughs> so yeah. So my question was, you know, how how with with that, just how how are you different? And when did you how <laughs> throw it back at you? How how are you? How how? Are well, you? what took me to the point of accepting homosexuality was Ashley's best friend when she was a little girl. Little girl was her friend Robbie. And Robbie, even at a little size, little boy, little, little boy, when they were in pre-K together, he had those the tendencies. Then as he got older, he just finally just let it show. And I think I remember somebody saying something hurtful to him and I let the person have it. So it was at that point, and I knew that despite what I was had been taught mm-hmm. in churches, that he wasn't, it wasn't a choice. He was who he was. And I loved Robbie. But Ashley and I, from time to time, would try to find him on Google or something, but we can't find him. But that was then, so that was a lot of years ago. And then to see, I don't know, to meet other people made a huge difference. And I think God just made me be in the vicinity of people who had different sexualities than straight. Mm -hmm. And I could see that it wasn't a choice. And if it's not a choice, then why are you gonna beat people up because it's not a choice? And I do believe that they were created as they are, just like I was created as I am. And I think the same creation or creator that created me created them and created them in his image, just like he created me, my black female self, in his image. So I don't have a problem with it at all. I learn more and more, and sometimes I have to ask Ashley, uh, what's the difference between this or that, this and that? And she will patiently explain it to me, which is really good. She does patiently explain it. So, you know, I know and I don't make careless remarks about people because if I did, it would show my ignorance from years and years and years and years ago. And I never thought that it was, I never thought being a rebel was, well, maybe it was, but... Like I said, I was really bent out of shape and let that little kid have it that hurt Robbie by calling him a... 
And then, I mean, I think that's one of the things that, that I had to finally learn that people are different. And one of my favorite things that I always said about students when I was teaching is that you have to meet people where they are. You can't just grab a person and drag them to where you are. You go where they are, you listen. And that's where you begin with them to develop a friendship, a relationship, a, a, a teaching relationship or whatever. But you have to meet people where they are. And then you get to the point where you can have these back and forth conversations with somebody and they can argue with you and you can argue with them or they can roll their eyes at you and like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we'll, we'll wind it up, kind of combine, combine all the questions and what you kind of just said. So we're here. We started in one place with a pretty pretty well-defined set of beliefs that was never expected this that was the ground that we met on and now you're here I'm here we are we share a lot of a lot of the same questions a lot mm -hmm. of the same thoughts but you know I'm out here I have let go of most of what we would have agreed on in the beginning what what does that mean to you? Does it bother you? Are you scared for me? Do you worry about me? No. Um, I know what faith I have or what belief I have. And I'm happy with it. You know what faith you have and what beliefs you have. And you're happy with it. Am I worried that you're going to go to hell? No, because I don't even know if hell exists now. I, I say heaven. I don't know if it does exist. I kind of hope it does, but not if that means some people got to go to hell. I kind of hope it does because I just would like to go on living. But like I said, not at the expense of others going to hell because they don't believe what I believe. I believe, okay, there's one scripture that I am very fond of, and it is, let, I think it starts with let each man, what's it, we're supposed to work out our own salvation in trembling and fear. And that's what I believe. So whatever your salvation is, that's yours. And you're working it out, and you are trembling and fearful about it. Uh, mine, I'm working it out. And I'm trembling and fearful because I'm seeing some discrepancies. So, no. Doesn't make me worry about you. I'm still proud of you. So you're going to sit here and make me cry? I think you're going to do big things. I think you're going to do big, 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 big things. And I'm, I'm glad that you had the courage. Well, you had the courage to fight for Hillsong. I'm glad you had the courage to fight Hillsong. And that is that. As you heard, I sent her a list of questions that she found extremely boring, so that was just off the cuff. And still, only the tip of the iceberg. Hillsong is a whole mess. And I mean what I said, and I will keep saying it, Hillsong is just a container. The best thing about Hillsong is the good people. There are so many good people, and they all deserve so much better. So kind of tying this all back to the beginning, 
We've all got to keep working to be better on this side of things. We can't have people coming out of that space into a new space with the same old issues and moving in the same direction. So just like me and Mary, we've got to keep bantering, challenging, and asking each other questions. Anyway, I am Janice Legata, and this has been another episode of God is Not Given. Thank you for joining me. If this has meant anything to you, sparked anything for you, or was just a general good time, please let the people know. Rate and review this podcast on Apple. Tell your friends. Ask about me at God is Not Given on the Gram. Visit my website at JaniceLegata.com for all the links to all the things that I'm working on, other podcasts you can find me on, and ways that you can support. And remember... You are a good idea, so take care of you, be well, and I will talk to you soon. I am an E, I am an E-S, I am an and I don't believe in any other hell than ever being or belonging to.